In September, Hurricane Maria left a path of destruction across Puerto Rico. Two employees from OHSU's Oregon National Primate Research Center traveled there to help rebuild the Caribbean Primate Research Center, which was hit hard by the disaster. It's Tuesday, March 6th, and this is OHSU Week. I'm Patrick Holmes. Josh Anderson sat down with R.J. Kaiser and Michael Haley to talk about their experience in Puerto Rico. First off, why don't you explain your roles here at OHSU? JR, we'll start with you. Um, I'm a facilities technician, and I work on the mechanical side, so we do do maintenance on HVAC and plumbing. Um, Pretty much anything that's mechanical, keep the building functioning and running. And Michael? I am a stationary engineer for OHSU. And uh, same, same thing, We're, I'm on the mechanical side. Mainly it would be uh, boilers, chillers, uh, hot water loops, closed loop systems, uh, water chemistry, as well as uh, helping JR with uh, the plumbing, HVAC, and refrigeration. Can you talk about the partnership with CPRC and explain what that is? The Caribbean Primate Research Center is tied uh, with us for like a sister company. And so they have monkeys out on an island to do behavioral studies on. I think it's the oldest primate, I think it's the first primate research ever done. So they do a lot of research there and actually we get some of their primates here. There's kind of a connection. People know each other on both campuses. So we do have like a partnership that we work with them. With the behavioral study that's going on, there's uh, multiple uh, campuses that actually fly down there to observe the animals to bring back data for their campus as well. Can you tell us a little bit about the work that's going on at the primate center there? Yeah, so the... The studies going on for Cayo Santiago, there's about 1,500 monkeys there, I believe. And they're doing purely behavioral studies, so you can't touch them. You're not really supposed to look at them in the eye or anything like that. Uh, they live as natural as possible, and you can tell that they, they really do. Um, it's a pretty natural island. They Like I said, they don't have running water or, or power there, so it's, it's pretty bare bones as an island. Um, it was really hot one day, and one monkey pushed us out of the way. <laughs> he was like, get, get out of my shade. <laughs> that was funny, because we were having a standing meeting, and he just pushes us out of the way and sits next to us. We're like, all right, well. Yeah, that was a completely different aspect where we come from, because here, uh, the monkeys are more curious. Uh, you can't leave a tool on the ground or anything on the ground, because they'll run up and get it. And these animals don't really, really interact with us either. They just do their own thing they 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 don't like they don't come they don't try to touch us really except for that one i was upset they cared about us a lot less than i thought they would <laughs> they uh no they, they're so used to people we're just pounding hammers on a roof so <laughs> can you explain how how you two got involved i know that michael was the first to look into it yeah for me it wasn't really much thinking involved uh I thought it would be perfect for JR and myself to go out there because it was best fit for their needs. Uh, this is something completely new and uh, came back with some really good knowledge to better prepare myself as well as my community. And it moved very quick. It was very quick. We were <laughs> we were asking when we we're going to go, and they're like, oh, I think like we're going to know within the week who's going. And then you're going to be flying out a couple days after that. I think we knew from like applying to leaving was like less than two weeks. Uh, basically how we got picked is because uh, obviously we deal with the animals directly. Um, 
as well as uh, we both take care of the plumbing side over here. So the main focus was to get the animals drinking water. Can you tell us uh, what, what did you see when you arrived? Blue tarps. Yes. <laughs> as we're uh, flying in, a lot of tarps over roofs. And then actually when we landed in the airport, we saw a hangar that was completely demolished, like flat, debris everywhere. And how did you help with the recovery? So we uh, helped with recovery efforts by going onto the island and uh, fixing their rain collector. So out there on the island, they don't have any pumps or anything. They all do rainwater collection. So all those um, structures got demolished. So we were there to not only to uh, fix them, but we actually extended them to, uh, so that they maximize the capacity. Since it was months and months without them collecting any rainwater, we needed to maximize it to uh, give the animals the water that's needed while they're in their drought season. So how far after the hurricane did you all arrive? I think I believe it was three months after. Yeah, it was a couple months. But they're still in no shape to do anything so yeah they look like they like the week we got there they just like that week they talked about that they just started getting power sometimes the power was on and off all the time and when we got there it was actually pretty consistent luckily for us uh, it was pretty rough yeah i remember our first time actually driving out to the island uh we would have to leave at five o'clock in the morning to beat traffic as well as those it was a little over an hour commute and our first drive in it was amazing it was completely dark and we, we'd never seen this place so we just thought we we're just going out in you know basically uh the jungle or how, how would you say it? The, the boonies yeah the bo you know where there's no population at all but then when we came back we saw all the houses and it was just amazing to see it was utter darkness it was yeah, yeah, it was weird the first time we went there. It was nothing, you couldn't see anything. There was, couldn't see much damage. So it was like, eh, you're just driving to this town. And then on the way home, we're like, wow, we missed all this stuff that was here. Was all this here this morning? Yeah. <laughs> Did we take the same way home? <laughs> <laughs> and how was it to work in those kinds of conditions when you don't have the infrastructure, you don't have a lot of the same resources that we would have here? Time-consuming. Yeah, it's so time-consuming. You move so much slower. So they just kind of live with that anyway. For them on the island, that wasn't really much, wasn't much different on, on the monkey island for them, other than the, the tools we had were sparse. But, but in the main town, Punto Santiago, that town was just completely wiped out. Power lines were just laying all over the place. Uh, I remember transformers laying on the sidewalk, buildings were taken down. It was, it was terrible. It has to be an eerie feeling. That was like third world country, like a bomb went off there. But they were very nice. Uh, every time that we would leave or come back from the island, they would cheer and they would wave to us. Uh, even through the destruction, uh, you can see how well the community just comes together. And uh, they're very humble. They're very opening. Uh, they wanted to show us their land, even though it was devastated. They. They wanted us to, They took us out to dinner uh, multiple times just to try their local food, get a taste of their culture, and they were just very, very nice people. Um, what were and what are some of the needs that they had? So the tools needed at this point, I would say, just basic hand tools. I remember this one time we were building a structure, and uh, it was uh, just a two-inch uh, galvanized pipe that we had to bend back out because it flattened. So that we actually, it was pretty genius how they did it, but. We just sleeved it with an inch and a half pipe and then butted it up together and bolted it. But when I was trying to straighten it out, 
I actually clipped, it was a wood handle, and I actually accidentally clipped it, and it busted the head off, and I felt so bad. Because, you know, they don't have that many tools. Right. And, Any tool they have is precious. Yeah. yeah I remember that. And, uh, I mean, they act like it was no big thing, but... Come, really here and, come here and break your tools. Yeah, it was like on the first structure. It was, oh, it was, it was humiliating. I remember, but, we have to do all this with a couple hundred monkeys sitting around you watching. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're sitting like right by your feet while you're doing this. Yeah, there's there's quite a few of them hanging in the trees. So you got quite the audience when you're going up that <laughs> hill. I mean, it would take like God, an hour and a half, two hours to get up a hill. It's not it's not that big, but it would take some work. Most of our time was really spent getting material there, which I think was probably a pretty huge help for them. And once you got things up the hill, then it was. Yeah, we built. Uh, we definitely built one, two, three. I think we built four buildings, four roofs, uh, four rain collections. Um, one's pretty big. It, all it does is collect water. The other ones they use is like, it's really like a shed for them to work in, but it doubles as a roof to collect water. And then one that they have just collects water. It's a, it's a pretty big roof. It's really low to the ground, but um, yeah, we built, there's quite a few of them. They have a lot of water collection tanks up there. Luckily that those didn't go away. Uh, they were still up there. That'd be a lot of work putting those up most of them stayed a couple of them got blown away yeah could you talk about the impacts um, on the community and the research center as well say the biggest impact on the community that we saw was just the devastation Uh, we would meet up at this facility before we went to the island and the neighbor right across the way like he still lives in his house he has no roof uh, no walls and Every morning we'd see him making his coffee as well as trying to iron his shirts because that's one thing he loved to do. He loved to press his own shirts first thing in the morning. It rains there constantly while we're there. And just to see somebody with without the basic essentials, uh, biggest heartbreaking thing I saw. Yeah, I got some pictures of him making breakfast too. But I mean, everybody there was very supportive. One thing that might be worse than just like the devastation though is I think people were really scared from that hurricane. I mean. They did not think that that was going to happen because from the stories that we heard, they've had hurricanes before and they were like, that's the gist I got of it was that nobody was really that concerned. And they said by the time it came and happened, they said it was like the most terrifying experience they'd ever imagined. They sat in their house screaming for 18 hours. One person's telling us they had their goats and chickens in their house in their kitchen living, laying down on a tarp and they were just cool with it. I mean, they just laid there the whole time. They knew it was going on. Cayo Santiago, where we did most of our work they flooded pretty bad they had like eight feet of water so if you had two-story house i mean the bottom story was pretty much wiped out and the other impact we saw is that with the columbia primate research center they also opened up this facility for the public so they didn't have drinking water so they actually had their own cistern with these uh sawyer uh filtration and you know people can come in and get water for them as well as we drank from it too. I was kind of skeptical at first, but we never got sick. It was great, and we believe that we're gonna try to do the same thing for a Mercy uh, backup plant over here as well. Yeah, it's a great idea. It's like a 400 gallon tank that they have sitting in the driveway, and anybody from the community can come get, and it's like 0.5 micron filtration, which is really good. I mean, that's better than most people drink anyway, so it's pretty clean water. And so they, the whole community in that town can come there and get water if they need it, which is, Survival 101, you have to have water. They got a lot of donations of supplies, and uh, again, the Columbia Primate Research Center was uh, helping out the community with uh, like clothes. They would have given that out to the community, as well as food. Um, they weren't trying to store anything. They were just trying to help everybody. 
You can see how close they are to the community there, though. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us about the letter you received from CPRC? The letter is very nice. Um, everybody was really cool in coordinating the whole thing for us. I mean, I know that everybody was thankful that we went down there, but I was really more thankful that they gave me the experience to go down there. I've been secretly waiting my whole life to help something like this. So I hate that there's a tragedy, but I'm glad I could help. And I'm even more thankful that my job is the type of job that will send me down there to do that. So I'm really thankful to everybody who coordinated it because it was not easy. It took a lot of work. Uh, it was just really cool to see that letter. There's a lot of people involved in that, and I think that it shouldn't be just for us. It's for everybody. Of course, I wanted to thank OHSU as well as for allowing us to go help with their recovery efforts. Thanks for the hospitality to the Columbia Primate Research Center. And I brought a lot of knowledge back, and it really helped us more than it helped them, I think, because I can do, I'm part of the emergency planning community here at the West Campus, and it gave us a lot of more real feedback of like real life scenarios. What, what are the biggest uh, risks? What are the biggest, uh, what is essential for things to function? for a organization. Well, it's interesting. We do a lot of theory of this is the, these are the things we need if we're going to have a disaster. We need to make sure these things are in order. But you actually went to a disaster and saw what how people were functioning and what people needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some things that we need to even think about, like uh, secondary egress, uh, especially being in the area. I mean, we, we don't know the area. And we got caught up in a flash flood. And we didn't even know our second egress. Um, and then uh, it just happened to be our secondary egress was uh, a bridge, which got wiped out by the flood as well. So we got kind of stuck. And then while the storm died out, we just had enough time just to get out before it flooded. Have you received any updates? Is there still a need for donation and help? Uh, I think the main donation that they would need for that group that takes care of the animals would be uh, power tools. They need batteries and power tools Um, they don't have enough and so they can't do much when they run out when they they don't have any power on the island but i think any donation really helps Um, but i think that they need tools for that group specifically so jr michael thank you for joining me today and sharing your story and thank you for representing ohsu thank you thank you ohsu week is a production of strategic communications This episode was produced and edited by Josh Anderson. I'm Patrick Holmes. See you next week.